Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. For some encouragement and to see how in difficult circumstances God finds men and women that he needs to do the jobs that he's got to do. Because if he's checked and vetted us and we're up to scratch, he will find us a job to do. And so God is looking for our move and for all the time for organizers, planners, motivators, and encouragers and for those who'll be hands-on. Because there's a lot of people in church life that are quite happy to come and sit, but they don't very often do hands-on. And you know, we can't do this on our own if only we leave it to one person. Because that's why God is checking us out and vetting us. Because he knows there's big things coming up. Paul's already talking about changes to our program to fit in the things. And it's wonderful to think that we're having to move things around because we've got young people coming in. When we came here from the old church, we hardly had any young people. And I sit there sometimes on a Sunday morning, and I might not always like everything that goes on. None of us do. But I look at that door, and I see all the people coming in. I thank God every Sunday, and especially for the families and the young people that come in. And that's what God is checking us out and vetting us for. And he wants people that are hands-on. But God is looking, first and foremost, for people that have a desire in their heart for the things of God. It isn't just working for God. It isn't just doing repetitive things. God wants to affect our hearts. And that's the one thing that Nehemiah was a man of integrity, but also he was a man who God affected his heart. And you know, there are so many different things for all of us to do. You might not think there's anything for you to do, but there will be lots for us to do. I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians 12, God talks about the body of Christ And we are the body of Christ. It doesn't matter whether we're in that old building, whether we're in this school, or whether we're in a new building. The building isn't the church. We are the church. We as a body are the church of God. And wherever we worship, whether we're in a tent, and you know, before we came here, quite a lot of us, hundreds and hundreds of people were on a tent just over there when J. John came. And I believe that that was the seal that God put on us coming to this church and for it be growing into something as big as it is now. Because people were obedient to God and they worked hard when J. John was here. They they tackled jobs and did all sorts of things. Um, I have to say, one of my very, very important jobs, and you might get a very important job like I had at J. John, every week on a Tuesday, I washed the poo off all the seats. Because the tent had holes in it, and from Tuesday to Tuesday, the birds used to fly through and poo on the seats. So I had a bucket and a mop and a cloth. I wasn't the only one. There's another lady here I can see came with me. Quite a few of us did it, and we washed the poo off all the seats. And there were hundreds of them. There wasn't hundreds of poo, but quite a lot. So, you know, checked and vetted. Is that what God's going to check you out for, for washing poo off seats? I don't know. I have no idea what he's got in place for you. 
But let's have a little look at Nehemiah, because Nehemiah fitted into those categories that I talked about. He was an organizer, a planner, a motivator, and an encourager. And this was a man who was a slave in exile. True, he had quite an exalted position because he worked with king, the king of Persia, and he was daily with the king. But Nehemiah heard, after the people of um, Israel had been in exile for many, many years, there had been people that had gone back to the city of Jerusalem before, and they had started to rebuild the temple. This was many years before. And the temple was not now magnificent like it was in Solomon's day, but it was a temple for people to worship the Lord. But it was vulnerable because it had no wall around the city. And this is what God had for Nehemiah. Now, maybe he's going to get some of us to build some walls. I don't know. But that's what he wanted Nehemiah to do. And he sent him on a three and a half month journey with a group of people to go back to Jerusalem to build a wall. Nehemiah was all those things. Even before he left Persia, he had a plan. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He had no idea. He didn't have the materials. He didn't have the manpower. He didn't have the money. But he had a plan. And I believe that there are leaders in our church at the moment. They have plans. They're making plans now. You and I don't know anything about them. But they are making plans for our future. And God will honor them for that. But our part is to support them through it all. Now, Nehemiah, because he'd heard that the temple was under threat, that people couldn't trade in Jerusalem, he was sad. And in front of the king, he had a solemn face. And so the king was aware um, of, the, of what was going on. And he asked Nehemiah what was wrong, and he told him what was happening. And he said, right, I'm going to allow you, with a group of people, to go back to Jerusalem, and I will supply an army of men, soldiers, to protect you on your journey. Um, I will give you letters, documents, so that you can uh, have safe passage, and I will give you documents so that you can get building materials. And so it was all planned out, and the king agrees. And so the Jews, with these documents, returned to Jerusalem to buy building materials. What an amazing provision God made for a slave in exile to go to a land that had been pillaged by people before and put in ruins, and he's now sending them back to build it up again. I find that one of the most amazing parts of the story. But you know, the three things I'd like to say about Nehemiah that come out of that story more than anything, he prayed he had perseverance, and he sacrificed. And those are the things that God asks of you and I. If we are going to be involved in this new venture of a new church, in a new place, we're going to meet different people, we have to pray. That was Nehemiah's priority. He prayed about everything. He had perseverance, because you'll hear in a minute of some terrible things that happened in the building of that wall. But he also sacrificed, personal sacrifice, and God honored him for that. Spiritual renewal often begins with one person's vision. So I think Paul was, I wasn't here last Sunday, I'm afraid, but the week before he was talking about uh, Martin Luther and the dream, and he talked about vision then. And, and spiritual renewal often starts with one person's vision. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about this. We were going to move to another building, and, and we hear about it. It was somebody's vision that we would do that. And you know what? From the very, very beginning that they started to build that wall, 
there was opposition. Now, you know, as well as I do, that from the very minute that um, Pastor Paul told us about the prospects of having a new building, there was opposition, wasn't there? It came from officialdom, and that's where Nehemiah's opposition came. It came from within, but it also came from officialdom. You might not be familiar with this story, but when you go home, get your Bible out and have a read of it. Nehemiah writes in the first person, and it's a really, really easy book to read. It's really an exciting book, because it's all about one man's vision and one man with restricted lifestyle because he was in exile and because he was a slave, whoever thought that the king would allow him to do such a thing, to take him, he'd been taken captive. I don't know whether he was born in captivity. I don't know how old he was, but they'd all been in captivity for many years. So maybe he'd been born in captivity, but they'd been dragged from Jerusalem, leaving their homeland, gone to a foreign. First of all, they went to Babylon, and when the king of Babylon died, um, his successor was a weaker man, and then the, the Medes and the Persians overtook them. So they'd been mixed around these people. Now he is traveling back to Jerusalem. Um, the people that were the opposition, they didn't want the welfare of Jerusalem restored because they were making money out of it. There's always money involved somewhere, isn't there? Somebody's always making money out of something. They didn't want the Jews coming back and building a wall and, and having um, families and restoring the, the, the Jewish religion. They didn't want that. There were people on the outside who were making plight out of it. So I thought we'd think of parallels which apply to us as a church when we're listening to the plight of Nehemiah because there are quite a lot of parallels for us as a group of people today. And I read somewhere that there are no triumphs without tribulation. There are no triumphs without troubles and tribulation. And you all know that in your own personal lives. Every time we set out on a venture to do something, it may go really well and blow me if something doesn't come in and knock us off our perches, and it happens to us every time. So here we have this one man, inspired man, took the lead and was determined about the outcome, but he couldn't physically do it all on his own. Um, it wasn't a one-man job. And chapter 3 tells us that there were all sorts of different people involved, all sorts of different people involved. There was from the high priest right down to others. And some of them were skilled, and some of them were like me, had no idea. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have the faintest idea how I can wash poo off seats, but building a wall, I have no experience of that. But you see, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for willing people. And so there were so many different people involved. Um, high officials, high-ranking rulers, goldsmiths, perfume makers, ladies, all sorts of people were involved in building this wall. But from the minute they put their actions into work, and started to build that wall, things went wrong. They had insults heard at them. They were mocked. They were jeered. Things were thrown at them. Things went wrong. And so, Nehemiah, ready again, had a strategy. I like people with strategies. I'm a team person. I'm not a leader. But I do, if I'm in a team, I like the person at the top to have a strategy. I like people to know what they're doing, to have a plan and to stick to it so that we all know where we're going. Nehemiah was a man like that. And so while all these people were building the wall, and probably they built the wall around where they were, um, I, I looked everywhere and I couldn't find in yards and feet, inches, meters, whatever, how big the wall was. 
Uh, I looked, I couldn't find, but I mean, the city of Jerusalem is a pretty big city, isn't it? I've no idea how big it is. It had a lot of gates. It had a lot of roads leading to it. So it had lots of big gates. And these had all been burnt down. And when you think of it, there's no B&Q and home base, is there? So they had to make everything. So all the bolts and all the locks and the keys and everything had to be made from scratch. So they must have had some skilled people there. So while they're working, they're spread out all around, and there's the enemy are trying to knock them off their perches and stop them building this wall. So Nehemiah has this strategy. No, it wasn't a mobile phone. We didn't have mobile phones, but they had a horn, a trumpet. And so when there was danger around, they blew the trumpet so that everybody knew that there was something was going on. But you know, Nehemiah knew that these people were in danger. And so he decided that safety and security, he needed safety and security for the people. He needed to protect God's family and to safeguard the weak and the vulnerable. And I remember Pastor Paul talking about that just not very many long ago. And that is another parallel for us as a church. While we're busy doing things for God, God says that we have to have a safeguard for those amongst us who are not as able. We may have people... When Kathy's been praying this morning, three unfortunate families have lost lovely family members this week. Sudden death. It is our responsibility as a church to love these people and to get alongside them. We have people in our church who don't have jobs. We have people who are struggling financially. We have very elderly people, and some of you might not be aware of all of them because now a lot of them are old and can't come to church. But we have all these elements in our church. And God says it's our responsibility as a church to safeguard and to protect these people. So the workers were very spread out, but Nehemiah made sure that they all knew what was going on. So he didn't want them to blindly just go ahead. And it's a reminder to us not to plow on blindly, but to have an end game. And I think that's quite important because sometimes we get a little bit single-minded, don't we? We might just be dig our toes in and we might say, well, this is my job and I'm going to do this. I mean, years ago when you were a lady, it used to be doing the flower rotor. Well, we don't have any flowers now, so we don't have any rotor, so we don't have... But you know the sort of thing I mean. We get a little bit tunneled vision about things and we think, well, that's just my job. But God's saying, no, we've got to have a wider horizon with that than that. So opposition quite often comes when we least expect it. And quite often, it comes from within. There can be jealousies within the church. There can be factions within the church that are not always as they should be. And we, we know that. For some of us that have been in church life a long time, we, know, we do know that that happens. And that's not what God wants. God wants, we're a family. And if you have a loving family at home, you wouldn't see any harm done to any of them, would you? You'd go to the nth to see that everything was all right. And that's what he's asking us to do in our family that we're responsible for here. It isn't just Paul and Meg's job to be responsible for the congregation. It's all of our jobs. So opposition comes when we least expect it. And Nehemiah, it was no exception. And one of the awful stories in the middle of this, I think it's about in chapter 5, we have rich Jews profiteering from poor Jews. So payday loans are nothing unusual. It happened in the days of this story here. You know, people who are really, really down on their luck 
and borrowing money. We hear about it on the television. We read it in the press, don't we? And they're being extorted to the terrible degrees. But it was happening in the days of Nehemiah that people were profiteering from others. And some of them, can you believe it, had to sell their children. I'm looking at some lovely children in here. God forbid that we'd ever have to do that. But people had to sell their children to live, to buy food for the daily life that they wanted to lead. And Nehemiah said, that is enough. And he brought them back to the word of God. And that's what we must do whenever things are going wrong in our lives. We go back to the word of God. Nehemiah was a man of integrity. And it tells us in that story, he received no pay all the time he was building this wall. His journey, the building of the wall, and afterwards. He worked hands-on next to the people. He didn't sit in an office with a tick box list um, and instructions and tell people what to do. He got out there with his people and helped them build the wall. So, for those of you who are not familiar with this story, you may not know that these unskilled, unprepared, checked and vetted people built this wall and all the gates and all the bolts and all the locks and all the towers, lookout towers, in 52 days. That was some amazing feat in 52 days. Unskilled labor, no experience, supreme difficulties, under threat of death because they were told that if they carried on building the wall, the enemy would come in and would kill them. So after all their hard work, what was the, what was the end game? After 52 days of building this wall, excuse me, I'm not allowed to drink out of the bottle, although my mother's dead, I still can't drink out of a bottle of water. Paul, Paul opened it and I went, don't worry, I've got some in here. She wouldn't have thought it was ladylike to stand on a platform drinking out of a bottle. So after all their hard work, what did Nehemiah ask of the people? He asked the people to repent and to promise and change their ways. And if you read in chapter 8, you'll read Ezra, who was the, pre there was the prophet, and he got the law of Moses. Now, you'll be pleased to know that I'm not going to do what Ezra did because he read from early morning till noon. <laughs> but you're all right, I'm not going to do that. And so after the reading of the law, to remind them from where they come, God's Ten Commandments and the law on how they should live and what they should do with their lives on a daily basis. They'd moved so far away from him. Some of them had been born in captivity and maybe they weren't, weren't um, honoring their faith any longer. Maybe they weren't involved in worshiping God. But that was what happened at the end of the law. There was a joyous, joyous celebration. Now, the one little picture that I really like in this, it said some of the leaders took people and they walked around. So one group had leaders and the people behind them, and they walked around the wall this way, and one group of leaders with people behind them walked around the, that wall that way, and they all joined up. Now, for the band this morning, there is an awful lot of emphasis on the music that was played and the types of instruments and the noise that they made because it was joyous. The wall was built. The temple was saved. Um, trading would take place, and now families could live within the safety of the walls of Jerusalem. So it was a time for much celebration. So here we are, going to be September soon. We're starting a new school year for the children. They'll be going back to school, for people going to college, maybe some here going off to university, maybe a new job. 
We don't know, do we? Lots of us will be doing different things. So we're working towards a new spiritual home. And sometime in the future, that will happen. We don't know when. Paul, uh, uh, Pastor, well, Paul may know, I don't know. But you know, there is so much potential, and it's here, right in this room today. There is loads of potential amongst all of you people sitting here today. And God wants to tap into your potential. And there's another website, and it's called Rated People. And that's what God wants, rated people. People that have stood the test of time. People that God can trust. People that he wants to use. Safety and security, we've had that. We've come through that. God's leading us on. He's always leading us into new things. So we're looking into the future with God. And where are we going? And there's, um, I couldn't remember the words of this. I had to look it up this morning. There's an old hymn, and it's Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. And it's break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. So as the Spirit of the God falls on us, and we're looking towards something new in the future, um, does God have something special for you and I to do? Poo seats, maybe. I don't know. I hope we'll have a roof where we're going. <laughs> I hope there won't be any birds flying in and out. But you know what I mean. It might not be the most important job that we get asked to do, but God wants a willing heart. Did Nehemiah, who was living in safety and security with a good job with the king in Persia, probably having a very luxurious lifestyle, want to travel for over three months, on a dusty, dirty journey to a city that was broken down. He probably had no home. He probably had to live in a tent. He didn't get paid. He got abuse and insults heard at him. He got ungrateful people because while they were building the wall, some of the people got fed up and they pushed off. And there were quite a lot of people that said, no, I don't want to do hands-on. I don't mind being a motivator and an encourager um, and all the other things, but I don't want to get my hands dirty. But God's not looking for that. He might have something special for us to do. At the end of this job, when the wall was built, I think he stayed there quite a long time, but eventually he had to go back to Persia. God took him away, and maybe he'll do that with us. Some of us, we're knocking on a bit. By the time the new church gets up and running, we might be somewhere else, <laughs> in, a, in a box. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh, Derek's doing that. I'm sorry, Derek. I should have said that. Yes, Derek's pointing upwards. Yes. But you know what I mean? We, we may work at this job that God's got for us to do, and we may not see the outcome of it. But that's not the important thing. It's what's going on in here. It's the relationship of our heart with God and what he, what he has in mind for us all. So I have to look at it again. I can't remember the words. Break me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Are we rated people this morning? Are we where God wants us to be? Are we ready for him to use us? So I know Debs will have that up, but I put the picture of the new building. Now, I've never been inside there. I know a lot of you have. It looks like a church, doesn't it? Uh, if God wants us to have it, we'll have it. And if he wants all the wonderful things that are going to go on, it'll happen. Because God's in charge of this, not us. 
God was in charge of what was happening to Nehemiah, and it seemed a mission impossible for Nehemiah to go back and build a wall. There were no materials, there was nothing. But it wasn't a mission impossible, it was a possible mission. And so, where are we going? And maybe next time somebody comes to talk, we'll be inside the building. And won't that be exciting? We'll all have something wonderful to do because God's checked and vetted us and we're going to be rated people ready to go with him. Thank you. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.